Good morning, y'all. Oh, yay. I love it when I get to share with you guys. I'm super excited because not only am I sharing with you and I love to preach, but it's Christmas time. <laughs> So we get to talk a little bit about Christmas, and that makes me really excited. Um, So today we're going to do a little bit different than we've been doing. We've been walking through um, a a book of the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, kind of dissecting it. Um, Today I want to take you on a little bit of a journey. Um, I want to take you on a journey with Mary and Joseph um, and the story of how Jesus was born and kind of um, unearth some more meaning than maybe that we have missed Um, in um, in the past. Um, so Christmas is super meaningful for me. It always has been. I love it. I love Christmas. I love the glitter. I love the ornaments. I love the baking. I even love the crazy. Like, I like the shopping. I like the people. I like all the, the nuts of it. Like, I just love everything about Christmas. Um, and growing up, I had great memories of Christmas. Um, my grandmother and I, we used to bake cookies together. Me and my cousins, we'd all get together. We'd bake cookies for, like, this church, I don't even know, I think they called it like a church bazaar. It was like this really quaint little church in the middle of nowhere, and we would bake all these cookies, and um, it's her like secret family recipe, and I still make those cookies with my boys, and um, like wrapping presents. Oh, and I don't even know, I'm like, seriously, I'm like wigging out right now. <laughs> like seriously, I'm so excited. But I don't even know if any of, well, any of you younger guys won't know this yet, but maybe you will soon. I actually love Christmas more now that I'm a parent than I did when I was a kid. Like getting stuff, that's awesome. But being able to like plan and prep and wrap and then see my kids open something that I know that they will love on Christmas morning is like astounding to me. Like every Christmas, I'm sobbing because I'm so excited. (laughs) Dan will be like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm just really excited. I'm like crying because it's so great. Um, So, and all this stuff is amazing, right? Like it's good. It's so good. Family time is so good. And cookies are so good, especially when you're pregnant. And like the wrapping is good and the shopping is good as long as we don't go into debt over it. But like literally, like everything is good. Everything about Christmas is good. But I think that there are deeper meanings that we skim over, or maybe we don't even necessarily skim over because we want to, but we skim over because we're busy, right? It it creates a lot of busyness around the holidays. We are wrapping and baking and, and prepping, and sometimes even we're grieving around the holidays. There's a lot of things that come up if we've lost somebody or if if things aren't like excited and butterflies like crazy like elf like me. <laughs> like sometimes everything just gets kind of wrapped up and, and we lose sight of what's actually taking place during the moment when Jesus is born. During this journey where we see Mary and Joseph take steps toward becoming mom and dad and where Jesus comes to earth. And what if God is calling us to more this Christmas? What if he's asking us to pause and take a moment and take it all in and understand the moments of this story that bring about the birth of Christ, the hope that is coming into the world, light arriving? What if there is so much more? As we read the text today, I want you guys to contemplate one question. How could our view of Christmas stand to change? And not just change for change's sake, but deepen. What can we gather from what the word of God says that can speak not only to those that are excited and loving Christmas, but those that are grieving and who are like, this Christmas business is not for me. I don't have it in me. Is there something for them? 
Is there something for people who just aren't excited? Oftentimes we'll walk by a nativity, right? And we, we set up the, the nativity and, you know, the end of the, the Peanuts Christmas movie. We're like, what's the meaning of Jesus? Um, not, not Jesus. <laughs> what's the meaning of Christmas, right? And they go through, like, the, the story of Jesus. And they're like, yes, that's what Christmas is all about. And it becomes this cute story about this baby in a cute little manger and dear baby Jesus. But what if it's so much more than that? In Luke 2, 1 through 7, it says, In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius, we're going to go with that, was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each in his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and uh, was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child, like that, like how we planned that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dan and I did not get pregnant just so I could preach a Christmas message while I was pregnant. That's, that's not what happened. <laughs> And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them at the inn. Will you guys bow your heads with me as we pray? Jesus, I thank you so much, God, that you are so good. Jesus, that you would choose to walk among us, God, that you would choose to be born, that you would choose to surrender all that you have to bring hope to humanity. Jesus, I thank you so much for the words that you give us, Lord, and I just pray that you would speak today. I pray that your words would ring true, Jesus, and that through everything that we study, that we take in, Jesus, that I pray that you would just speak to hearts today directly and clearly, Lord Jesus, about what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this text is pretty straightforward, right? They travel, they have a baby, he's in a manger, boom, it's done. It's super good, super succinct. Great, let's go home. No, I'm just kidding. Don't go home. <laughs> but there's actually a lot more to this story. Um, and I want to encourage you guys. Like, I'm going to reference some texts, and I'm just going to kind of tell this story. I'm not going to actually read, because um, if I were to read the text, we'd be reading the Bible all day, which isn't bad, which isn't bad. But I'm just going to tell you some backstory. I'm going to tell you backstory about Mary. I'm going to tell you a little bit of backstory about um, Joseph. Um, but I really want to encourage you. There's references in the U version. Go back and read them for yourself. Even Mary's version of what I'm going to tell you is like this big, and she's there's so much content and there's so much depth in those texts alone um, that would just kind of blow your mind. Um, so I'm going to be referencing these two just kind of loosely and just kind of telling this story, um, but definitely dig in for yourself, especially with your family, especially around Christmas time. It'd be great. Um, give everybody a frame of reference. Um, so Mary, let's talk about Mary. Mary was in the town of Nazareth when an angel of the Lord appeared to her. Ha <laughs> right? I think that's normal. Um, so Mary starts and she's, she's scared. She's like, whoa, what is happening? She's scared. Not like I'm going to run away, but like, A, this isn't normal. And B, there's something significant happening because <laughs> this does not happen every day. Um, and the angel tells her, don't be afraid. Wait, stop, stop. Don't be afraid. You found favor with the Lord. Okay. I found favor with the Lord. What does that mean? He goes on to say, you'll have a baby. You're about to have a baby, and you're going to call him Jesus. And he will be the son of the Most High. 
In that culture, Mary would know what that means. The most high was a phrase that they used only for God. So for that angel to say, you will have a son or you will have a child and his, he will be the son of the most high. He's basically telling Mary, you are going to have a child and he will be the Messiah. And so she has a very eloquent response. But, but I'm a virgin. This is impossible right? Like the angel is telling her, you are going to have a baby. And all she can think of is it's impossible. It's impossible. I'm not married. I have a fiance, but I've never been with a man. Like I, I can't conceive a child. How, how is this going to happen? The angel goes on to tell her that she will have a baby. He will be born of the Holy Spirit. She will carry him and that God will be with her. And my favorite part of how the angel kind of ends his explanation to Mary is he, he speaks right to the heart of her question. Because Mary is not questioning. Like, she's not saying, oh, I don't believe that's going to happen. You need to show me a sign so that I know that this is true. She's genuinely confused. She's like, this is just not possible. And the angel then speaks directly to her and says, for, for with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. And I cannot imagine that moment for Mary. Okay, I'm going to have a child. <laughs> I am going to not be married when I tell my fiance that I'm having a child with the Holy Spirit. Like, how do you, how do you, <laughs> like in your brain, how do you rationalize that? How do you like, how do you come to grips with that? But Mary's response is amazing. She looks at the angel and she says, behold, I am your servant. Let it be to me as you have said. And it is written. So instead of taking this moment where she's faced with something different and new and totally unexpected and going, ah, no, 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 I'm not doing that. She says, okay, for God, with God, nothing is impossible. Let it be to me as you have spoken. This was not part of Mary's plan. Mary was engaged. She was about to be married. And I'm sure she did not see her wedding going like, I'm pregnant with not my fiance's child. How was she going to tell him? How would, she tell, how would she tell Joseph? What would that conversation even look like? But what I love about this passage is that all of that stuff, even if it was swirling around in her brain, even if there was like this crazy dilemma she was having, she chose in that moment to surrender to what God had for her. She chose in that moment to step all in, and she said, God, let it be to me as you have said. In that moment, she trusted the word of the Lord over everything else, over, over the logistics, over the possibility that it could even happen, and she leaned all in, and she gave her all because she knew that she could trust God, and she knew that she had a word from God, and she had a plan. He had a plan and a purpose for her life. So now we, we go back to Joseph. <laughs> Joseph was a really good guy. Well, I think, I don't know. I like to think Joseph was a really good guy. It said that he liked to do things correctly. And when he found out that Mary was pregnant, his plan was to divorce her quietly. So you may be sitting there going, okay, wait, wait, wait. They're just engaged. Why do they need a divorce? In those days, the custom was if you were betrothed, you were essentially married. You had to get a divorce if you wanted to separate the betrothal, betrothment, betrothal? 
but okay. Well, anyway, you had to, you had to legally get a divorce so that you could be separated. And so he was thinking to himself, I don't want to put disgrace on her because if I do this really publicly and people know that she's pregnant, they're going to know that she cheated. They're going to think less of her and I don't want to do that. So I'm just going to quietly divorce her. We're going to go our separate ways and we're going to do our own thing. No big deal. (laughs) But well, yes, big deal. But what happened was Joseph was sleeping and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And he told him, this is actually happening. This is actually happening. Mary is pregnant. No, it is not your child, but it is a child born of the Holy Spirit. And when this child is born, you will call him Emmanuel, God with us. That's like one of my most favorite names for God. Um, And I think that it encapsulates the Christmas spirit so much. God with us. This is a moment when God comes to us, when he dwells within humanity, when he puts himself on our plane. He's literally born as a tiny baby to be with us. And that's what Joseph is told that he will be called. So of course, Joseph changes his mind. He decides, you know what? I'm going to do the thing (laughs) that God is telling me to do. So in another case, we have Joseph in his own separate world, in his own separate time, having an encounter with an angel who's speaking life and God's word to him. And he's saying, I'm going to surrender all that I have. I'm going to surrender what might be my reputation. Who knows? I'm going to marry her. I'm going to take her as my wife, and she's going to have a baby that's technically not mine, but sort of mine. (laughs) It's very confusing, right? Like when you stop to think about the nuances and the, the thoughts and the processes that might have taken place. But Joseph chose to step into what God had for him. He chose to step into a plan that God was speaking over his life. He had purpose, and he knew it because he knew what God was saying was true. The logistics will work themselves out. I know that I want to give my all. I know that I want to surrender to what God has for me, for my family, for what we're about to do. And these are just little pieces of the picture. Mary and Joseph don't know far down the line what is to happen. They don't have a Bible in front of them where they can read the narrative as it's unfolding. But they do know a couple things. They know that they're pregnant. They know that this baby is different. They know that this is not going to be typical because that's what's been spoken to them. And they both say yes. Without knowing everything, every detail, they say, God, we trust your plan. We don't know how it'll all work out, but we know that you are righteous. We know that you are good. And we're putting ourselves and even Mary, giving of herself to the point of her own body, right? Surrendering literally everything that she has to do what God has asked them to do. And now that brings us back to our text. So we're back. They're starting to make their way this long journey. They've decided together that their expectations, their limitations, all the stuff that was clouding or could be clouding, their thoughts, their minds, they're just putting it to the side and they're doing what God has asked them to do. And they're becoming what God has asked them to become. And so Joseph and Mary make their long way back to be registered. They had to go back to Joseph's hometown, which is Bethlehem. Um, And I can't believe that this would be easy for Mary. So... Has anybody ever taken a long car trip with a nine-month pregnant lady? 
Nobody? It's really fun. Huh, Dan? <laughs> so, um, I have, we were taking long trips when I was pregnant with Elias and it was awful. So we would drive from Pittsburgh back to New York and it was like six hours or whatever. And I was great with child. So what you see right now, like I'm pregnant, I'm not even halfway there. So imagine double this size and try, yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. So my legs would fall asleep, my hips would hurt, my back would hurt, I'd have to pee. Like it was like, it was absolutely nuts. And the last thing that I wanted to be doing was traveling. And now here Mary is, and she is almost full term. And she is traveling and obviously not by car. So she doesn't even have a real seat to sit in. And she's traveling and she's huge and she's probably uncomfortable. And they're going back to register for this census and they don't really have a place. They're just going back to register and, and most people think that they're going back to set up a home there in Bethlehem. So they're literally uprooting their lives. They're moving back to Bethlehem. They get there and what happens is she starts to go into labor and they have no place for her to be. Like as a new mom, like I don't care what walk of life or who you, you have certain things that rush through your brain, right? Like you're about to have a child, you don't know what to expect. You don't know what this baby's gonna be like. You don't know if you have what it takes. You don't know if you're gonna be able to provide everything that they need. Am I gonna be a good mom? Like, like is, is our house suitable? Is everything good? And literally Mary, has none of that. She's traveling <laughs> and she starts to go into labor and they don't even have a room for her. So they take her to a stable <laughs> where she has this child, this beautiful, beautiful little baby boy and she has no crib to put him in. She has no blanket to wrap him in. She wraps him in cloths. And so she is here with a child that was originally not even part of her, like her, her thought, her whatever. She's got this child and, and he's the Messiah and he's in a manger and he's wrapped in cloths and okay, this is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. As a mom, I can't even imagine, I can't even imagine what the thoughts would be like. Where would they take him home to? I don't know yet. What, what, would, what would happen after his birth? But the coolest thing about this is that none of this was a mistake. None of it. Jesus' birth, the way that it happened, none of it was a mistake. Mary and Joseph were walking in the path that God had intended for them. He would be called Emmanuel, God with us. Light arriving. He was God incarnate. He was the king of all kings. And what Mary may not have even understood at this moment, but he would be the one that actually would save her soul. And he was born in a stable with no place, with nothing but cloths, and a mom and dad who loved him, I'm sure. This humble birth, as humble as it is, and it got kind of like in my own flesh, I wanna be like, that's not fair, you know? Like, if anybody deserved anything, it's Jesus. He, he saves us from ourself. He saves us from our sin. 
He gives us hope. He, he, he gives us everything that we need. He gives us peace and strength. And yet here he is and he's, he's, got, he's starting with nothing. But to think that that's not part of God's plan is crazy. Jesus surrendered his whole, his life. He came to this earth as a surrender. He was, he was born in this manger with, with, these, with these cloths. And it's indicative of his, of his, his heart to give everything that he has so that we can live, so that we could know him, so that we can have hope and a life and future with him as the center. This is, um, I'm going to cry. I always cry. You guys know that. I just have to say that because it's going to happen. Um, the surrender we see in the manger is kind of a foreshadowing of what we will see later on in Jesus' life. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he takes his disciples to pray. And he says to them, can you just pray with me for a little bit? You see, in the Garden of Gethsemane, if you're not familiar with that story, he's taking them to pray because it's right before Jesus will be betrayed, which means it's right before he will be crucified. He knows exactly what's coming down the line. Unlike Mary and Joseph, who kind of had a faint glimpse of things that were happening or, you know, like, oh, he's the Messiah. I wonder what that means. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was giving up. He knew exactly what was about to happen to him. And he prays this prayer. My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but you will. It's a picture of another surrender. It's a picture of a surrendered life. He starts in a manger when he deserves a palace. He surrenders his body to be crucified on a cross that he doesn't deserve for us so that we can know him, so that we can be in relationship with him. His surrender, his sacrifice gives us life. It gives us two feet to stand on. When we're too terrified to move, it gives us the strength to say, Jesus, please, like, help. And he does. It gives us the peace that we don't have in the midst of terrible circumstances. It gives us joy unspeakable when we should be grieving and on our knees, when we should not feel that joy. The story is just so much deeper than a little baby in a manger. It's about a savior who has literally come and walked among us to be with us, to give us hope, to give us what we need to know him, to give us access to boldly come to him and talk to him and freely worship him and do all the things that we cherish, cherish so much. About six and a half years ago, I was pregnant for Elias and we got a call from one of our friends in New York City and he said, hey, Dan, do you want to move down to New York City and, um, and work here and live, live here? And I was like, no. I was like eight and a half months pregnant. I was like, I ain't going nowhere. Tell him he's calling the wrong number. Tell him no. <laughs> well, about a month and a half later when the hormones subsided, <laughs> he called again and he was like, are you sure? Are you sure? And so we decided to pray about it. We decided that we were going to kind of mull things over in our brain and 
Um, before I knew it, we were in Times Square. I've got a baby strapped to my chest. I'm riding the subway to and fro. He's in meetings. We're like, it's everything was happening so quickly. We needed like a gazillion dollars just to get an apartment. It was like nuts. Anyway, everything's happening so fast. And I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I don't know if I can do this. Somewhere deep down inside of me, I knew it was the right move for my family. Um, but I was... I was just, okay, let me just, I was just being a real jerk. Like, I was just being straight up defiant. I was like, I just don't know if I want to do this. Like, I just don't, I just don't know if I want to do this. Um, and so we were, on the eve of us going to find an apartment in Queens, I was, I was awake at night, and I'm struggling, and I'm laying there, and Dan's, he's totally fine, sleeping like a baby next to me, <laughs> but whatever. And I'm struggling, and I'm like, I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. I want to stay where it's comfortable. I want to stay with people that I know. I want to stay and do the things that I know that I should be doing. I just, I have a church family and I, you know, all these reasons. And I, I just said kind of out loud, I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to go. What could happen? I just won't go. I refuse. And then what? And the minute I said that, I've never heard the voice of God audibly like, Tara, no, 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 not, not like that. But there was this check in my heart. And the minute I said, I just want to go. I'm not going to go. It was like God was saying, then you'll be out of my will. And it wasn't cruel. It wasn't like, then you'll be out of my will. Get out. No, it wasn't like that. It was just a very matter of fact. And in an instant, I knew what God wanted from me. I knew. So I had a choice in that moment. I had a choice. I knew that God wanted us to go. I knew where God wanted us to be. And I had a choice to either go fighting and kicking and screaming, or I had a choice to give, to give my expectations to him, to surrender what I thought life could be, to surrender my expectations and see what God would do and trust him and trust his plan and trust his guiding. In New York City, I, I can't even explain to you how much I came alive. We were only there for a really short time, but it was one of the most amazing times in my life. I had just lost my dad um, earlier that year, and then shortly after, Elias was born. And so I was grieving, like heavy grieving. And I remember being in New York City, and there was something about the city that was so soothing to me and thanking God that he brought me there for that time, for that reason. And some of the, even some of the Christmas traditions that my family and I celebrate um, right now, like today, like every day. Actually, we're going to New York City tomorrow. Woo! Um, anyway, um, <laughs> squirrel. Um, some of the traditions that we have were born out of that time, out of that time of healing. So do I know why we were there and why we're there for only a short time? I don't. But I do know that God has taken us on a journey. And I'm so glad I'm so glad that Jesus gave me the grace to surrender to him when he spoke. That I could make the choice to say, yes, God, I want to give you everything that I have. I want to give you all that I am. And I want to trust you, even though I don't know how to navigate the subways. And I want to trust you, even though I might get bugged, which it's not that scary. <laughs> it's really not. But like, those are the things that I was thinking about. I just I couldn't get past it. I couldn't get, I couldn't get my brain wrapped around it. Surrendering to God is not like giving up or giving in when you're like, oh, I just can't do it anymore. It's a willful handing over. It's saying, God, I trust you with my life. I want to know what you're speaking to me, and I want to follow what you're telling me. 
It's telling God that, that you know that he's got a bigger plan. From Mary to Joseph to, to baby Jesus lying in a manger, Mary and Joseph had no idea what would happen with Jesus on the cross. They did not know that. Really, nobody did. Nobody expected the Messiah to come in a humble birth and then die on a cross. They expected like this valiant, like governmental like guy. But that's, that's not what it was. But that's what was right. That's what was so amazing about how Jesus came. Humble and loving and kind. With a posture of surrender. But with also a posture of power. And with that, he gives us life. He gives us life. So the question I want to ask you today is what have you been keeping from God? I think that's a hard question to ask. What things are you withholding from God because you don't trust him enough to surrender? Has God asked you maybe to give something up? Do you, a relationship, your hold on material things, and maybe an attitude, or a posture of pride, where you can never be wrong or do anything wrong? Has God been asking you to do something? Maybe you even know that God has been kind of speaking to you about using your gifts to serve in a specific way. And you just have a reason every time that maybe it just, it just can't work. Maybe it's just not right timing. Maybe it's just, I, I just don't know. If you're here and you aren't a Christ follower, which I know um, is kind of different when you come into a, a church service. But if you're just kind of like, I don't even know. I don't even know about this Jesus thing. Like, I don't even know what you're saying about, like, surrender. Like, what, what does that even look like for me, for my life? Sometimes I think in the back of our brains, even when we don't know who God is and we don't have a relationship with him, we wonder if there's purpose for us. We wonder if there's meaning for us. We wonder what any of these stories and any of these things in the Bible have to do with us. But the truth is, is if you read and you understand what Jesus is doing, it's that he's got a plan. He's got a plan and he's got a purpose. And if we learn to lean into that, if we learn to say, okay, God, I trust you, and have a moment with him, you'll find the clarity, you'll find the purpose that you've been looking for because he's the director. So he knows what to do. If you're here today, maybe God is speaking that to you. Maybe he's literally speaking to your heart about just having a relationship with him. And maybe you feel that. We don't embarrass anybody or call anybody out, but it's actually super, super easy. And one of my, one of my most favorite things about following Jesus is he's, he's not complicated. He just loves people. I mean, he, just, he loves us. He literally gave everything, surrendered everything for us. And if you want to start a relationship with him, it's as simple as bowing your head in your seat and saying, Jesus, I need you. I know that I've done wrong. I know that I have messed up, and I'll probably mess up again. But I need your forgiveness. I want your direction. I want you to be the leader of my life. 
Be with me. Walk with me. That's literally it. Just opening up a line of communication between you and God. That's it. That's all it is. Maybe you've grown up your whole life and you feel like you just know every story about, about God and you know all about the Bible and you, you just know everything that there is to know. But what you've done is instead of creating a life where you're counting on Jesus and you're depending on him and you're leaning into him for wisdom and direction and, and surrendering to him, what you've done is made him an accessory on your tree. You said, oh, yeah, and I, I do soccer, and my kids do this, and we do that. And then, then there's church, yeah, and we check that box, and it's great, and we just go on our way. Maybe today's a day where you sit and ask God, what can I do to reprioritize? How do I make you the center? What does it look like if, if Jesus is the center, and Jesus is leading the soccer, the family, the finances, the, all the things? How could it change? What things would need to be surrendered? I know some of you here are committed Christ followers. You love Jesus. You, you come to church. You serve. And, you know, that's amazing. But I feel like there's, there's so much that we have to grow to if, even if we're in relationship with him and we feel like we're right in step. What things today can we bring to him and say, God, I surrender this. I surrender this attitude. I, I surrender the idea or the expectation of something that I, that I had. How, how do I refocus my heart on you? And what are you asking me to do because of it? Is God asking you to use a gift that you have to serve somebody? Even if it's a little prompting, a little thought. Is Jesus leading you somewhere that you've never been before? I love Jesus, and I love the pictures that he creates and the narrative that he creates because I love that he comes with humility, and he comes with kindness, and he comes with love. I'm going to pray, and as um, we start singing, I just kind of want you to think about this, this, this idea. Am I keeping something from God? Is there something that I need to lay down? Is there, is there something that needs to be reprioritized around Jesus today? And what does that look like for my Christmas? The glittery, the glitzy, the wrapping, the baking. What if all of that revolved around Jesus instead of squelching or pushing aside the beauty of what God has for us? Jesus, I just thank you so much for today, God. I thank you so much for Christmas that has more meaning than just stuff and glitter and stuff. God, I thank you for your surrender. I thank you for your surrender to come down to humanity. I thank you for your surrender on the cross, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, that you are humble. Jesus, that you are gentle, Jesus, and that we can literally build our lives on you, that you can be the king of our heart, the king of our world, Jesus, and that we can trust when you speak. Lord, I just pray that we would 
have a posture of surrender to you today? What is it, God, that you would be speaking to us? And I pray that you would speak freely, Jesus. Have your way in this place, God. In Jesus' name.